Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! My goodness! The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big men. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dynamite dunk and the crowd loves it. Pistons need a three and they have just under three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. Pistons fans, hello and welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by Believe, Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia here with you for this week's show. I think this is our last week without our steady host, Mike Anguilano. So I think this is the last time, hopefully for the foreseeable future, that it'll just you'll just be stuck with me and Jasper. We'll get back the lead man, Mike. Uh, but Jasper, you're here with me. You're not. Roaming around Europe, uh, having the time of your life. You're still no, talking about the Pistons. <laughs> no, I'm not roaming around Europe it, it, in Florence like Mike is, even though my sister lives there. Uh, you know, I don't know how that works, how Mike gets to go there before I do. That uh, was very nice of her, though. He hit me up and uh, he's like, hey, man, like, what should I do? And she sent over like a bunch of different recommendations for him to go to. So, Big shout out to my sister on that one. Uh, but yeah, we can't wait to have Mike back. Hope he enjoys himself. Um, make lots of memories for, for me because I wish I could be there soon, soon enough. It, it looks like he's having the time of his life over there just from the pictures and, and posts that he's made. So, so jealous of him. But hey, we're here to talk about the Pistons. There's really not much better than that. Am I right? Um. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I like better than that. I have really been digging HBO's winning time. I want to actually say that. Like, we we have stuff to get into, but I started, I like binged that over the weekend. I'm loving that show. I don't know if you've watched it at all, Aaron. Have you gotten a chance to? I was planning on on starting it. I actually, uh, back when I was in school, it was, you know, it, the first season of it just came out. My professor would always talk to me about it and tell me to watch it because he knew, you know, we had this podcast and whatnot. But I never actually watched i mean i have have had conversations about it but i've never watched it. i've heard a lot of good things um, i didn't think i would like it but like usually when they try and recreate stuff that happened especially when it comes to sports because they try to over dramatize it doesn't really work out uh but i think they did an awesome job with like the casting and and everything there like it's uh it's realistic enough to where you buy into the characters but not too real to where you get the impression that they're like trying to uh you know just like have fun with history they're they're more just having fun with it like it's 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 dramatized to the point where you don't have to take it too seriously it stands up as it's kind of its own thing so highly recommend it i like it i i I want a season three okay there's a little show review with with jasper i i will definitely have to check that out I'll, i'll put that on on my list moving forward but i do want to get into a couple interesting topics that we have 
for this week's show. Before we do that, I did want to mention our sponsor, as always, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your sports betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games, available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BLEAB, B-L-E-A-B, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Aaron, you betting on the Lions tonight? Uh, I have a lot of bets out there in the Lions tonight. Uh, I'm oh, ready to be that. heard again. I'm ready to be heard again. So, <laughs> oh, you poor goes, young uh, man. And listens to this podcast on on Friday. You know, hopefully, I'm on the right side of history. Hopefully, I have some some slips that cashed, but um, we'll see. I was a lot of a lot of betting with your heart and a lot less betting with your mind, which is usually not the way to go about that sort of thing. Well, especially when it comes to the Lions. <laughs> if you bet with your heart, you'll always find it broken. So. But as you, as a wise man once said, nobody ever went broke betting against the Detroit Lions. But no, I'm I'm hoping everybody's going to be happy after tonight's game. We'll see what happens. Uh, no, no Chris Jones. That's pretty big. I like those David Montgomery uh, touchdown score props. I I think that's a pretty decent bet. So, I will yeah, say that's on my slip. I will say. Oh, that. It, it's got to be on everybody's. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're looking to bet basketball, if you're looking to bet Pistons, their line. Uh, their win line for the season is right at 27 on bet online. So if you feel strongly one way or the other and, and you want to place a bet, win some money, head on over to bet online. Again, use our promo code BLEAV for a 50% welcome bonus on your initial deposit. Okay, let's move in to our first topic of the show today. And this one was brought to you courtesy of your of, of Jasper himself. We were prepping for the show and, you know, again, we mentioned it. We've mentioned it each of the last few weeks throughout this offseason. We're really in the doldrums of the offseason. There's really not a whole lot going on, not just piston related, but NBA related overall. So we were trying to come up with, you know, a, a topic that's not going to put you to sleep. That because that's not our goal. We want to bring you entertaining pistons talk. And Jasper came up with a great topic. We are each going to give a trade that the pistons could theoretically make at some point this season. Uh, we both looked at it from a realistic point of view. I, I use some of the reporting that we've heard throughout the last year or so uh, as well to influence the trade that I came up with. But we have two separate trades. Uh, each of us came up with one, and, and, and they're trades we feel the Pistons could make at some point, uh, either heading up to this season or during the season. And, and Jasper, since this was your idea, I'm going to let you lead it off. You're the leadoff hitter here. What was your trade for the Pistons? Break it down for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm hoping to just, you know, slap a nice single into right field on this one. Uh, um, before people get mad at us, like you said, it's the doldrums of the summer. Not much is happening around the NBA. So this is more of a thought exercise than necessarily something that, that we would even, um, you know, think the Pistons would do or that they even should necessarily do there's i think upsides and downsides to both of the trades that we kind of threw out there but um yeah really looking around the league as well i think we have to say before we even get into these 
it's hard to find a trade partner for the Pistons. There are not a lot of teams that are tanking. Um, I, I, I mean, really, and even the ones that you expect to, like Portland, well, they haven't pulled off that Damian Lillard trade yet. So who even knows what's happening with a couple of these teams here? Um, for me, I threw out what I think is a simple, um, definitely risky, but a trade that could work for both teams involved in this equation. I decided to move, um, despite wanting to move Marvin Bagley and Killian Hayes, Boyan Bogdanovich to the Orlando Magic in return for Jonathan Isaac in two second round picks. And and the reason I did this is for a couple of reasons. First off, I, I think just getting two first second round picks is, you know, it's nice. It's a nice little return for something there. And, and secondly, I, as we've discussed, there is just a log jam at multiple positions on this roster and no good answers at others. Um, as of right now, that like small forward position, power forward position doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. And, and we saw it even last year with Boyan Bogdanovich playing the four, the Pistons defense and their rebounding really, really suffered. Um, I, I just think that even if you're putting Isaiah Stewart out there at the four, there are real issues with putting Boyan at the three. If you bring in Jonathan Isaac, I think it helps you in two ways. One, the defense instantly improves if he's out on the floor. Uh, two, you can bring him off of the bench to start. And he signed not just for this year, but for one more year after that, whereas Boyan Bogdanovich is not, uh, or no, sorry, Boyan does have two years remaining on his contract as well. Um, but, but but with Boyan, it's, it's a little bit different. Uh, where you're paying him 20 million, and with Jonathan Isaac, you're paying him about 17 and a half. There's obviously a huge injury risk there, but I think also with the risk that you're taking at playing Isaiah Stewart at the four, if Jonathan Isaac can be healthy and Isaiah Stewart doesn't really work out at the four, you have a backup plan there that is something beyond um, having to, you know, hope that Isaiah Livers can really, really improved to the point where he's able to be your starting power forward. Or, God forbid, Marvin Bagley plays power forward for you. Um, I think if Jonathan Isaac, a player who has never, who has in, in, you know, his four years actually playing, shot better than 34% from three-point range in three of those four years, I think that that is a guy that you can look at as potentially being an option for you if Isaiah Stewart doesn't work at the starting four position and you have to move into the bench as either a four there or a five there. Um, I just think it gives you a little bit more flexibility. It keeps you younger. Jonathan Isaac still is um, 25 years old, so he's not an old player. Um, and, and truly, honestly, there's not that much downside in here. The idea that you're going to get a first-round pick back for Boyan Bogdanovich doesn't really, doesn't really seem realistic at this point. So I think your best bet is to get whatever you can in terms of draft capital and also try and get a young, high-upside player um, that is you know, not going to break the bank and require you to give up first-round picks in return. So for me, I think this is a relatively low downside but potentially very high upside move for the Pistons and one that I think is worth trying out. Yeah. I, I told you before the show, when we talked about our trade ideas that I really liked this idea because 
I'm not a proponent of trading Boyan Bogdanovich, but I, I'm also realistic from the standpoint of the writing on the wall seems to be that it's going to happen. It, it seems that the Pistons are in trade talks and in, in rumors every every other week uh, uh, regarding Bogdanovich. And if you look at a team like Orlando, who's looking to take a step forward, they have some pieces now in, in, in Paolo Bencaro and Franz Wagner. Um, you know, they had a couple first-round picks this year as well. So they're, they've got pieces. You know, they've got guys. They improved last year. And there's now that next step that they need to take, kind of like the Pistons. But I think it's a little bit clearer for the Magic, who, you know, didn't have their star player out all last year, that they need to take a legitimate step forward and, and, and become a playoff team, become a play-in team. And a guy like Boyan Bogdanovich does really help them in that regard. He gives them experience. He gives them shooting. He gives them a complimentary piece alongside Ben Caro and Wagner. So I, it, it makes a lot of sense for Orlando. And, and, and in Detroit's regard, you know, it gives them a guy in Isaac who's another defensive-minded, uh, probably more of a four now than he was a three at, at this point with all of the injuries that that he's endured. Um, and they get the extra bonus of a couple second-round picks, which we know are – our near and dear to Troy Weaver. Uh, he does, you know, like to deal when it comes to second rounders. So as as tough as it is, and as much as I am against moving Bogdanovich, I see the merit in, in going for an upside play in a guy like Isaac, who, who who's younger and has the defensive upside. The the biggest drawback to that type of trade for specifically for Isaac is the health concerns. He's just not been able to stay healthy as a player. He's so tantalizing because of everything that he can do, but his biggest weakness is his inability to stay on the court. I mean, he's had season after season. That's just been marred with injury. And he went, you know, years without playing in an NBA game. So there's legitimate concern there, but I I could see this being a bit more realistic towards the trade deadline. If Orlando's, in the playoff picture, in the play-in picture, and Detroit's on the outside looking in, I think that's when this could maybe make a little bit more sense. I don't know if, if that's how you feel, uh, but that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, I think you need to see at least some health from Jonathan Isaac, and you just have to see any sort of an extended stretch. To be clear, I don't really have much faith that he will remain healthy. Uh, this is more of a thought exercise than anything else. There's also downside for the Pistons in the sense that like Bogdanovich is their best shooter on the roster, and they are already a team that does not have a whole lot of shooting. Orlando, I think, is you know they it makes sense for them. Uh, it, roughly equivalent salaries. Bogdanovich is a much better shooter. It makes their front court make a little bit more sense moving forward. And to be honest, I just think it just hasn't happened for Isaac and Orlando, and I just don't know if it ever will. So I think for, you know, both teams, there's upside and downside there. I mean, you know, Jonathan Isaac is still young and a great defender. And if he could somehow pan out, boy, they could have given up a great player for, you know, what, two years of Boyan Bogdanovich, which, you know, it's not nothing. Um, but I think also from Detroit's perspective, we've been talking about, like, where does Joe Harris fit into this equation? I think it makes it a lot easier to see exactly what Joe Harris would do on this roster uh, also if you if you trade Bogdanovich. I, I do think that that makes things a little bit, bit clearer from that perspective, even if you do lose the shooting. 
also opens up, I think, minutes for Marcus Sasser, and you can really see more of what you have there. So, yeah, uh, Aaron, I know you had a way more complicated trade than I did, uh, but I really like what you did as well. Mind walking us through what your idea was? Yeah, so my deal is between three teams, obviously the Pistons, and then the Dallas Mavericks and Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, the trade would send out Boyan Bogdanovich, as did your trade, but it would send Boyan Bogdanovich uh, to the Dallas Mavericks. The Philadelphia 76ers would also be sending Firkin Korkmaz to Dallas. And Detroit would receive Tobias Harris from Philadelphia and Tim Hardaway Jr. from Dallas. Uh, Detroit would then send Joe Harris, Marvin Bagley, and a 2024 second round pick to Philadelphia. Philadelphia would also receive Toronto's 2025 second round pick from Dallas. I will try to include a screen grab, uh, a screenshot, whatever, in the YouTube video uh, of that trade for people watching or listening on YouTube. If you're listening anywhere else, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to see that. Um, but here's why I made this trade, right? For for some of the same reasons you did with Bogdanovich, he's been in trade talk so much. Dallas is one of those teams that we have heard very consistently uh, being tagged to Bogdanovich. So I'm putting him there. I'm giving Dallas what they want in Bogdanovich. Detroit is really getting back a better fit at the four spot because with the roster right now, they do need a four. We've talked about it ad nauseum, even with Isaiah Stewart back. It's tough to envision Boyan Bogdanovich being able to hold down the power forward spot. They need someone who's just a little bit bigger, a little more durable. Uh, and Tobias Harris has been playing the four in Philadelphia. He played the four in Detroit when he was here. Um, and he gives them scoring, shooting, a lot of the same stuff, really, that Boyan Bogdanovich did, just at a much heftier price. And, and that's where this deal comes in for, for Philadelphia. Uh, as, as they get to shed off that big money in Tobias Harris, um, you know, they're taking most of the money back. They're getting a little bit of relief um, with Harris making just under $20 million and Bagley just under $13 million. And then they're getting a sec couple second-round picks uh, in return for that. This will allow them to pretty much, A, get off the Harris contract, and, and B, start that reset that's going to – that mini reset that I imagine is going to have to happen uh, once that James Harden trade comes to – fruition they're gonna have to try to make some sort of of on the fly rebuild this gives them a couple more second round picks to work with a little bit more cap flexibility um and, and you know at least in theory they could get some bench minutes from joe harris and marvin bagley in the meantime uh, and then detroit's also getting back tim hardaway jr that's a guy that they've been linked to before as well. It's a guy that's been talked about um, when it's come to Dallas and Detroit trading uh, Bogdanovich. So I just kind of connected a couple dots there and, and threw this together. I'm sure someone's going to hate it. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I think if I, if I had to pick a, a group, a, a fan base, that's going to hate it. I would pick Philadelphia but the bottom line is you're not getting back a ton. 
But Tobias Harris does not have a lot of value for that contract that he has. So it's not a, a knock it out of the park home run deal for them. But getting off that $40 million contract and getting a couple uh, second round picks in the process, I think that's a lot more soluble than just holding on to Tobias Harris and, and really not having many other teams able to make a, a legitimate move for him. I don't know how close this is to being a, a, a legitimate type fair deal that would actually go down in the NBA's world. What do you think, Jasper? Well, I, I think it's, look, I, I'm with you. I think the Sixers fans would like it the least. But for me, it just comes down to, like, can they get off of the James Harden deal? Because if they can, then I think this trade becomes a lot more realistic from that standpoint um, with Philly just saying, hey, look, this year is basically going to be a wash and we are going to get all this money off of our books going into next year, see if we can do anything this year, and really, really try and make an impact in free agency coming up in this next offseason. From that perspective, I think it would make a lot of sense. For the Pistons, this makes a lot of sense as well. Like you said, that's an upgrade from the power forward position. I also think you can make the argument that Hardaway is a upgrade over Joe Harris and getting out from Marvin Bagley's contract is, you know, that's nice as well. Um, from a flexibility perspective as well, this also puts Detroit in a better position. Yes, you are losing Joe Harris's uh, 19 million coming off the books next year. You're also losing what is probably going to be a declining of Marvin Bagley's team option, which is going to open up another 12 and a half million. So there is, what, uh, $32 million coming off of the books. However, Tobias Harris, $39 million coming off of the books next year. You have to eat the Hardaway contract, yes, but he's making less than Bogdanovich and signed for the same amount of time. So if anything, actually, this opens up a few more dollars next offseason and the same amount of money two offseasons from now. So for me... If I look at it from a Pistons perspective, I think this is actually pretty much a home run. I think it makes your team better. I think it makes your team more flexible financially. And I think it also, um, you know, puts you into a position where you have better answers at, you know, your four position and really even at your backup two position, backup three position. Um, yeah, I, I think that would be a really, really good deal for Detroit. I think it makes a lot of sense for Dallas as well. They want to get out from under that Hardaway contract. For me, like I said, the you know viability of this deal comes down to whether Philly can get off of that James Harden contract before the season starts. Because if not, I think they're probably more incentivized to just run it back another year and let Tobias Harris's contract expire at the end of the season. Yeah, I think the other hope uh, from Detroit's standpoint with this deal is, you know, Tobias Harris becomes more than just a one-year rental. Um, he becomes a guy that you sign back on a on a better deal, quite frankly, longer term. Um, but I definitely think this benefits Detroit and Dallas more than it does Philadelphia. It, it really comes down to the Sixers might be headed towards a complete blow-up this would give them a couple smaller contracts that would be easier to include in any sort of other deals and give them a couple uh, additional picks to, to add to their asset chest 
in the process. I, I, I just don't feel like Tobias Harris is, I, I get he's probably the best, if not the second best player in this deal, but that contract makes him so less valuable. The only, uh, only thing, you know, Philadelphia couldn't really say is, well, we'd be better off just holding on to Harris uh, for the year and letting his contract expire. But on the flip side, they wouldn't get those picks then. And, and like I just said, you know, I'm not trying to beat myself, but they'd also have two other smaller deals that would probably be a little bit easier to move in separate trades than one $40 million contract uh, in, in Harris. But again, I definitely could see the Philly people hating this the most. <laughs> yeah. Aaron, and I'll, I'm going to say this, this isn't necessarily a piston specific thing, but We've been talking about trying, you know, to figure out how the new CBA is going to work, how that's going to affect the league. Um, and one immediate thing I am kind of looking for as I am trying to put together these trades is one of the consequences of the way that the NBA contracts are starting to be structured, where you're kind of freezing out the middle class and giving, you know, your star players a ton of money your role players very little. I think you're going to see trades becoming less common over the next few years as a consequence of the CBA, because it's so hard to make salaries work when you only have big and little contracts to put together um, for guys that are in that, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich 20 million range, your Joe Harris range, or even, you're like Tim Hardaway, you're, you know, that kind of range. It's really difficult to find things that work for both teams uh, because they're basically building out their rosters around young, cheap players that they don't want to give up or that you're not necessarily interested in and really highly paid vets that are going to be hard to move regardless um, unless they've become, you know, completely... Uh, devalued asset. So that's something that I'm looking for in the next few years, Aaron. I, I just, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but it was something that I noticed as I was trying to go through these trades. No, no, I think that's a good point. It, it, it makes it, like you said, it makes it harder to, to work on these deals when the variance in contracts is either, Hey, you're up at 40 or you're either, most guys are either up at, you know, the $40, 30, 40 million, or they're down at the, you know, that men or whatever it is. So I'm, they, I'm thinking of like the John Collins trade this off season, but right. Like, good player, 25 million got it traded for peanuts. And, yeah. and basically Sadiq Bay got traded for the same reason, because he's going to command a contract in that kind of range and nobody wants to pay him. No, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. And it, it, it could be something that they look at, uh, you know, on the next CBA deal when they're trying to, change the way deals are happening because it, it does feel like it's becoming more of an issue. More guys are either getting pennies on the dollar to what they're worth, or they're end up, they end up signing for a deal and becoming un, really unmovable because other teams don't have the cap space to acquire them with the contracts that they have available on their roster. So no, I, I think that's, I think that's a good point. I will also say just to, as we wrap up this segment, um, we both, did not include any players that recently signed under contract um, just because they're not able to be dealt as of today. I think, you know, for some of them, it's like October 7th. Uh, so a month from today as we're recording, 
uh, is when that first group of players are technically allowed to be dealt that signed contracts in the offseason. Um, so that was something that that we were cognizant of. I did have a, a the Dallas Dallas in that trade one variation of it. I did have Dallas also getting Killian Hayes as well, uh, but I did remove that just because they have so many players that are as of right now unable to be dealt because of their contract signing. Uh, I just couldn't make it work with the other players that that were involved. So just something I wanted to note uh, as we wrap up that segment and move into our next topic, which we're going to talk going to be equally unpopular. <laughs> we're going to talk about a little bit of a Pistons depth chart situation. I have seen some rumblings on social media. I might have also seen it in one of our podcasts uh, in the YouTube comment section as well. But there was some discussion about w- whether the Pistons should have Jaden Ivey come off the bench next year uh, or not. And I thought that that was an interesting topic um, just because it's bound to draw some, en- it's bound to draw engagement from, from Pistons fans because it seems so wild to even speculate on something like like Jaden Ivey who just had a, a really good rookie campaign appears to be a franchise cornerstone it seems wild that, that that's being discussed but it is and so I wanted to bring that to the table today and, and talk about it just for that reason I think we're probably both going to be aligned on how we feel about it but I, I felt like it needed to be talked about and maybe it will spark a debate or a conversation in the comments on YouTube or if you tweet us at Palace of Pistons let us know what you think about it because I'm very interested. I'd seen some rumblings. I wasn't sure if it was going to pick up steam. I wanted to bring it to the to the forefront of the podcast and talk about it. Jasper, do you think there's any merit to the idea of having Jaden Ivey not in the starting lineup next year and coming off the bench? I, I mean, there is merit to the idea, but I wouldn't do it. <laughs> um, I, look, I think there is some merit to the idea that what you want to do in order to achieve the highest ceiling of this team is to surround Cade Cunningham with as many shooters as possible uh, and, and rim finishers as possible. I think that there is merit to that idea. However, I think what's more likely is, and, and, and sorry to finish that thought. And Jaden Ivy is not necessarily a great, you know, shooter right now. He's not a great movement shooter. He can catch and shoot, but there is, you know, he he needs to prove it more. That being said, I think really what you need in order to achieve the highest ceiling of this team is for one of Cade Cunningham or Jaden Ivey to be an elite, elite shooter. And it doesn't really matter which one of them it is. One of them has to do it. It doesn't really matter to me, um, you know, who else is in that starting lineup. But in order to truly unlock the best of what both guys can do, I still think you need that kind of fire and ice, slow and fast kind of um, playing style to work together. And if Jaden Ivey's coming off the bench, even if he is playing, you know, 25, 27 minutes a game, I just think that you lose some of that and that you lose important minutes that can be used to build chemistry between these two guys in a year that look let's be honest the line set at 27 and a half like they're not competing for a playoff spot um if we're being realistic these are the minutes that you want to 
put them together and see exactly what they can do. On the other hand, I also see, you know, the idea of coming out and saying, look, we can put Kate Cunningham out there with Isaiah Stewart and Jalen Duran, who are not great shooters. Therefore, it makes the most sense for us to also throw Joe Harris uh, and Boyan Bogdanovich out there in order to just maximize the amount of shooting you're going to have on the floor. But I look at that and I also see like a, a team that is going to absolutely get ripped to shreds defensively either way. Um, and yeah, like I said, I just think you're losing valuable minutes that you could build chemistry. In the end, this team needs both of those players to be great. You, you just... I just don't see how you can make it work without both of them. You need that great backcourt. I love Asar Thompson, but like, what are you going to depend on him to be a great shooter then too? I just think you're asking way too much of, of other players. And I think you're also to a certain extent asking too much of Cade Cunningham to be the Luka Doncic type, be the heliocentric guy. I don't think that's where he's at his best. I think he's at his best sharing some of those playmaking duties with other players on the floor. So, no, I would not move Jaden ID to the bench. I understand why some people might see it that way um, because of certain things that he showed in Summer League, which is to say perhaps holding on to the ball too much, not shooting great. But in the end, what you need is both of those players to be at their best in order for your team to be at their best. Aaron, do you see it another way? I, I don't see how Jaden Ivey's not in your your starting lineup if, if you're the Detroit Pistons. He is a franchise pillar coming off a, a very good rookie season. And yes, this year it's going to be different with Kate Cunningham back. The role is going to look different for Jaden Ivey. But like you mentioned, that fire and ice, that ability for Kate Cunningham to not always have to have the ball in his hand. Jaden Ivey is the guy that's going to be able to take that and take that pressure off of Cunningham and do stuff with the ball in his hands. And he, yes, he needs to get better at it, but he's going into his second year in the league. Like, are we really going to judge a few summer league games and getting super, super excited for Asar Thompson and say, hey, forget about what Jaden Ivey did for 70 games in his rookie season. He had a couple rough showings in summer league he needs to come off the bench because we have this new flashy shiny toy in Asar Thompson and Jaden can just come off the bench like it's 2k and, and, and give you 25 minutes and score 20 points off the bench I just don't think it's super realistic and it would be bad for Detroit uh to essentially admit that he's not he can't he can't work with Kate Cunningham I mean the fact of the matter is they drafted him one year ago and they did it with Cade Cunningham on the roster, with Cade Cunningham in mind. So it would essentially be admitting that they haven't built the team out properly and have to pretty much punt on a top five pick being a franchise pillar. So uh, I get the idea of we need more spot up shooting around Cade Cunningham. We need more defense uh, in the starting lineup, but it's not jaden ivy's fault and it shouldn't come at the expense of jaden ivy for the front office not building up the rest of their starting lineup around and with him and kate cunningham in mind and building them out building the lineup out to 
what they need and what their strengths and weaknesses are. So, yeah, I don't think it it, it makes sense. I wouldn't do it. Um, I don't I don't know if the idea is hey, you know, start obviously Kate Cunningham and then go uh, Joe Harris, Asar Thompson, or go excuse me, go uh, Kate Cunningham, Asar Thompson. Boyan Bogdanovich, Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Duran. Let's get bigger. Let's get longer. Let's get uh, a little bit more defensive minded. I don't know if it's hey, let's go with Joe Harris and Asar Thompson and Boyan Bogdanovich. So we keep some semblance uh, of more floor spacing and more catch and shoot, but we're going to be terrible defensively. Oh my god, I'm just like thinking of that lineup. Like, right. oh my god, what a the the, the re oh my goodness. I mean, well, they're going to be wanna... sad, but there yeah, Eric... you know, that would be an atrocity. So I, I want to say this too. Here's the thing. If you're moving Jaden Ivy to the bench because you're saying there's not enough shooting with him in the starting lineup, what you're basically admitting is that Isaiah Stewart playing the four and developing him there is more important than developing Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivy together. Is it not? No, I agree. I agree. Yes. Right? Because you're saying, oh, well, there's not enough shooting in the starting lineup. Uh, if, if you're putting out Duran and Isaiah Stewart there together, well, <laughs> whose fault is that? It's not Jaden Ivey's fault. Like that, that to me, I, that, I think that's just like, that's building a team ass backwards in my opinion. Like that doesn't make any sense. Why would you prioritize the development of your power forward over the development of the guy you picked fifth overall last year and was all, should have been all rookie first team. Uh, and was just freaking awesome. What? Because he looked bad in a few summer league games. That's just absurd to me. I, like the more I'm thinking about it now, I'm like, how how ridiculous is that? And, and two, I'll say this as well. Look, you talk about you know Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham not being proven shooters. What is the best way to shoot a high percentage from three? It's to get open looks. What's the easiest way to get open looks? To have somebody else make plays for you. What do Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey do? They make plays for other players. So if you're trying to maximize the shooting from both of those guys, why would you split them up, not put them together? Like what, Joe Harris is is going to be beating guys off the dribble and kicking it out to to Cade Cunningham for open shots? No freaking way. You, he's going to be standing around on the perimeter. Uh, what, you're going to have Cade Cunningham cutting to the basket? It just doesn't make any sense. So I, I think for me, yeah, you, you have to play those two guys together. Um Otherwise, you're building your roster all wrong, you're prioritizing the wrong players, and you're stunting the growth of the two most important stars on this roster. So that's how I feel about it. We are in agreement there, as I anticipated we would be. Um, I just wanted to bring it to the table, like I said. I'm interested to know what everyone else thinks. Like I said, let us know on Twitter, at Palace of Pistons. Let us know. If you're watching on YouTube, respond in the comment section what you think. I I think we'll see some people that think Ivy should come off the bench, but I think we're going to be in the majority here that he belongs in the starting lineup. Just for reference, the ESPN depth chart has the Pistons starting Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivy, Asar Thompson, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Jalen Duran. Uh, as I've said, I believe the Pistons will begin the season with Cunningham, Ivy, Bogdanovich, Isaiah Stewart, and Jalen Duran as the starting five. But I'm not seeing anyone, 
you know, any reputable bigger name sites or reporters uh, indicating that there's really any chance of Ivy coming off the bench uh, at, to begin the year or, or, you know, at any point or anything like that. So I don't think we'll see it. But like I said, wanted to bring it to the table. Let us know what you think. Jasper, That uh, those were our two topics. That's what I had planned for this week's show. We are now a month out from preseason basketball beginning. We should have some news on the NBA media days beginning. I would imagine that those will take place towards the end of the month, right before the start of training camp. But is there anything else you wanted to talk about as we wrap up this week's show? Nah, man, this season can't come soon enough. We just spent 40 minutes talking about three things that will never happen. And I would even suspect, well, other than the trade you put together, well, I don't even think either of us would be in support of. So, <laughs> luckily, it's it's coming to a close. I promise you, folks. Please don't get mad at us. We 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 have a job to do, and we just like talking about basketball as well. So, you know, it's it's not all that serious. I promise. True, true. We we just want to talk hoop. I mean, it would be it would be boring for me to take off. You know, July. The middle from the middle of July to the beginning of October, just because there's not going to be a whole lot of uh, news going on with the Pistons. There's not going to be a ton going on with them. It would, I would hate to do that. I love putting on the show every week and it allows oh, yeah. us to do some funner topics that are a little bit more off the wall, maybe don't have as much traction behind them. And they're not just specific news related of things that happened or, or what's been going on on the court. So I know at times the the conversations, the topics of discussion uh, can be a little wonky, but I, I also think they're fun and they're thought-provoking. And, I mean, I've been doing this for seven years or maybe longer at this point, and I don't know. I find these as, as sometimes some of the most engaging discussions. I mean, I remember podcasting eons ago with different people talking about Andre Drummond being the franchise center of the future for the Detroit Pistons and, and, you know, those conversations that aren't necessarily related to what's going on directly on the court or in the news with the Pistons, but happen in the doldrums of the off season, those bring out the most emotion, the most fun and, and bring in, you know, the most engagement from the listeners, which is obviously something that, that we want each and every week. So hope you enjoyed these conversations these topics of discussion and let us know what you think yeah and if you and if you have stuff as well that you'd like us to talk about on this podcast we love to hear from you guys anything new is always fun like you said aaron like we can we come up with certain things on these podcasts that you think that nothing is really going to be talked about that's important you know i remember last year in preseason when we were watching the pistons play the knicks and we came out of that thinking like Oh, Sadiq Bay and Boyan Bogdanovich is not going to work together. The Pistons are going to get killed there. So, uh, you know, sometimes those those lesser podcasts are the ones where you actually come to the bigger realizations. And uh, that's why it's fun. That's why it's fun to talk about this stuff. Because sometimes when you think you're not talking about anything important, you come up with the best answers. No doubt. No doubt about it. A, a fun show this week. I hope everyone uh, enjoyed listening. As we wrap up, make sure... To check us out on our socials at Palace of Pistons, you'll find us mo most active on our Twitter page. You can follow 
uh, each of us on Twitter as well. Myself at a Johnson NBA and Jasper at blade Cunningham. Make sure to check out the website as well. Palaceofpistons.com. We will have content coming soon and throughout the 2023-2024 season. Uh, make sure to leave us a like, a review, a comment, follow, subscription, wherever you're tuning in from. We sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. And let us know what you think about the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by Believe. Make sure to use our promo code at BetOnline. Believe, B-L-E-A-V, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's going to do it for us this week on the Palace of Pistons podcast. We'll see you next week, hopefully, with a full-strength crew of myself, Jasper, and our long-lost host, Mike Angolano. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you guys next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube